Welcome to another Joshi 2010's Journey episode. It is I, JD. It is UK. UK. Gotta love that Aja Kong song, right? Dude, it's the best. <laughs> it, it is the best babyface theme ever. You can't help but just keep rocking out to it. I guess that's why it went a little longer. We are talking Oz Academy on this episode. We are in the year 2011. We roll on. It's uh, April 10th, 2011. Oz Academy's One Night in Heaven. This is episode 21. We've hit, we've hit blackjack at this point in the journey. Sure have, and uh, I guess the, the One Night in Heaven kind of fits with the blackjack, yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially with an uh, interesting main event that has uh, repercussions for years to come. Sure does. Jesus. Yeah, there's a little bit of speculation on that. We'll get we'll get to that when we get to that, but yeah, yeah, very interesting stuff. Yeah, not to beat around the bush, but this is uh Kaoru's uh this is the match where she injures her heel severely and she's inexplicably out of wrestling for the next two years until Marvelous rolls around with Chigusa Nagayo. Yeah, and then she but she pairs up with her buddy Chigusa. I mean, I guess if you're gonna have a buddy, you might as well have the best buddy, right? Chigusa Nagayo, biggest name in the industry. It's a good friend to have. <laughs> sure is. <laughs> you, you were almost guaranteed to have a job at, in some sort, of, some sort of fashion. You got friends like that in high places. And be protected, too, because, you know, no one's going to fuck with Chigusa, so they won't fuck with you by default. Well, right. we'll get to that, I guess, when we get there. We will get to that. So, this is, uh, we are from the Red Leaf Retrocast, and we were going on this journey to cover much of the scene coming out of the Dark Ages. Uh, where promotions went right, where promotions went wrong, what stars could have been made, because that was one of the major issues of the last uh, few generations in women's wrestling is over in the West. It was simply uh, the era of the model, <laughs> to put it lightly. Uh, companies were not pushing women's wrestling in any sort of fashion. My cat is going insane right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Holy it shit. was funny because even in Japan, uh, you would say in the 2000s, it wasn't so much the model as much as it was trying to make the wrestlers sexy to sell more, to sell more merch, sell DVDs, magazines, turn up profits more since profits were so way down. It's kind of funny how that works out as well on that end. Yeah, it's a weird, uh, weird instance uh, that coincides with each other through just how to market women, and it really set the industry back a long time. And we're really, just recently, <laughs> over the last few years, coming out of it uh, on both sides of the globe. And even in Europe, uh, for a little while there, until uh, all the talent... <laughs> uh, gobbled up. <laughs> got gobbled up in various places. Poor Tony Storm. My God. I don't feel bad for her. She made her choice. 
Look, man. <laughs> I, 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 I feel so bad for Tony, one Tony Stark. No, but but it, it is funny that you mentioned the uh, last couple of years, at least especially in Japan, because women's wrestling has such a stigma to it. And we'll probably talk about that later on the Red Leaf proper when it comes to other promotions. But the stigma of sort of what women's wrestling is is so different now. And so companies like Stardom are sort of helping change that, at least with them. It's not working to the. It's not not so much of a trickle down to some promotions because some promotions still very much uh, borrow into that sort of idle fetishization stuff. Uh, but Stardom is doing uh, a lot to change that on their own. Because remember, in the '90s, women's wrestling was still pretty big deal. They were seen as athletes, sexy, attractive athletes, but athletes first and foremost. And and we've seen over the past couple decades or so two decades they're not so much the case right it is skeevy and shady and whatnot <laughs> well there's a lot of carnies out there uh what do you know and just from uh just from kind of what once you study uh the business side of wrestling uh, a little too much you gain a lot more perspective over why certain moves are done it's a, it's a dangerous path to go on especially in a fandom uh, uh, why certain moves are made. I'll give you another example. Uh, industry, like, completely out of it. And that's anime. Okay? Oh, yeah. Or the cartoon. <laughs> okay, or the cartoon. Or, yeah, yeah. So anime, for a lot a lot of it, is really... Uh, it's not so much the television ratings. It's It kind of functions as, like, advertisements for the manga. Uh, just I'm, I'm just going off of super basics here. So uh, light novels or light novels or it's the source material is trying to be sold uh, figures, all kinds of uh, merchandise, merchandise, merchandise yeah. yeah, merchandise properties that almost have nothing to do with the anime itself. And you often see things get their legs cut out from under them just for uh, this sort of uh, work. And when you start watching anime and you realize, oh, this one is just it's only going to be the 13 episodes. It's not going to continue. You're going to have to keep reading the material. It really uh, takes a toll on your fandom. Uh, the more you learn about... Uh, when, when you di keep diving deeper into that, when you start learning about the wrestling industry in trying to break down attendances, television ratings, uh, booking maneuvers, booking patterns of certain people, uh, you start listening to industry pundits and trying to gain... They're trying to pick apart the knowledge from from their own experience over the many years. Uh, you utilize all this to try to form your own opinion, and this is kind of where we are now in trying to pick apart an industry that I feel, at least in the West, no one's ever really done before. No, I mean, there's been people that have done it as small as a you know, small of a group as it's been, but they've not focused on the 2000s. It's always it always stops at the 90s, which I mean you kind of get right. That's where the meat of the industry was for the longest time, and it's never gone. It's never achieved those heights since then. I mean, there's an argument to be made that it might soon achieve those heights. At least a company might do that. Stardom being the the biggest front runner of that. But I mean, think about how long it's been since that was even the case. I'd argue what 98, 97. So two decades, the industry's been pretty much in the slums, really making attendance, having to sell <laughs> their sexuality first and foremost over the wrestling, because how are you going to make money? No one's coming to see you wrestle, so you have to get them in the door some other way. That's That took a toll on the industry. It took a very big toll on the industry. Yes, and 
when you try to get out of that, uh, when you try to get out of the hole that you've dug yourself into, then you have to look at things like uh, making stars, uh, staying afloat. Uh, and I and I feel on this podcast, uh, 20, 20 plus episodes in now, on on this specific journey uh, podcast, uh, we know why the 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 uh, people in charge make the moves they do. They just really it's it seemingly they want to stay on top, keep keep a steady hand rather than a growing hand because the grow it, I. In my inter my interpretation, a lot of the times the risk of growth isn't worth the risk of losing it all because this is all they have. Correct. It's the idea of uh, in this case, uh, Oz Academy. Ozaki realizes, well, I'm still the draw. People still come see me, but if I take somebody else and put them above me, that hurts my drawing power. And if they don't draw, we're double hurt. So you can kind of understand why the issue was that way. However. At a certain point, you gotta also realize that people are, stop coming after a while. Even if you're a draw, your draw lessens over time. So I will and like, give you. No one's you... coming to see Dynamite Kansai twenty years later. The less people are going to go see Dynamite Kansai than they were twenty years prior. I mean, I will give you a recent example. Uh, just recently, there was a Dump Matsumoto. Uh, what was it? A forty-fifth anniversary show. Okay. Yeah, dump is a sad case at this point. Yeah, uh, no, sixtieth birthday anniversary. That's what it was. And it was at Cork and Hall, and it had people on the card such as Kaoru Ito, uh, Naomichi Marafuji from Noah, the champion at the time, mind you. <laughs> uh, Sakura Hirota, who's still an active wrestler, Chigusa Nagayo was on the card. Uh, Red Typhoons. Uh, Takumi Aroha, uh, a, very, a, a person who just main evented Osaka Joe Hall, Takako Inoue. Uh, you know, there's some big names on that card. And you would think if this was decades ago, they would have drawn more than 550 people. Oh, God, they drew that many? Yes, they only Holy drew 550. Fuck, that is. For. for... It's funny because uh, this happened. I know this happened recently. Some restrictions were kind of lifted, and the cap for mm -hmm. Cork and Mo before then was like 800 people. So if you couldn't even get 800 people, and who knows how many of that was paper, right? Because Cork and Hall is, or how much of it was lied? Because you know Cork and Hall is not. You don't. You can lie your numbers there, as whereas you can't do that at like an Oda Ward, whether it's a government-run building. So they keep track of your tickets and attendances for you, as you right. instead of you submitting your own. So that's. I mean, it goes to show, like, Dump Matsumoto is a, good, a very good example. One per, at one point, one of the biggest heels in the industry, bar none, and now she's she can barely move. She doesn't take bumps because she wouldn't be able to get back up. Uh, she can do nothing. She just kind of lumbers around, almost worse than Aja Kong at this point. And she's not a draw anymore. Nobody wants to come see Dump Matsumoto. And all the people that used to go want to see her, they either don't watch wrestling anymore because they're too old, or they are on to other things and or maybe don't care to go out of their way to go watch this anymore. Well, another example, and we'll get to uh, this. The, we'll get to this episode uh, very soon is if these legends were still a draw in any significant manner, Diana would be more popular than what it is. 
Oh yeah, no, Diana. That's that's like that Nazi Academy are the old people promotions, and I mean Diana is probably the the worst case because they're not a draw anywhere they've ever been. They yeah. haven't been a draw almost their entirety of their existence. They just had a main kind event. Of barely made even. Yeah, they just had a, ma- a semi main featuring uh, Shiro Kosana- Koshinaka and Osamu Nishimura, a couple New Japan legends there. Jaguar Yokota teamed up with them with their project Tiger Queen. That is uh, the real pro wrestling tiger mask tiger queen protege type deal just trying to pass on yes yes but the whole though it's passing (laughs) on the gimmick and trying to create some spark for the old people to have it's not doing anything no and in the main event is aja kong kyoko in a way shinobu kandori and takako in a way against a bunch of people that uh will be uh the next generation and uh, no sense in kind of going in we we know what happens there (laughs) unfortunately right Tiger Mask Queen thing is the funniest thing I've seen because almost everyone unanimously from the first appearance, both here and in Japan, immediately knew who it was. So you immediately destroyed the mystique of it because everyone knows it's Asuka. Everyone knows it's her. Yeah, it's kind of like everyone knew. Yeah, everyone knew Kawasaki Rainbow Girl was sorry for a while there. It's and now it's somebody. Now it's somebody completely different, and you can completely tell. So when you follow a lot of this, and this is why we uh, we are very frustrated when we see a lot of uh, clear talent out there on the scene, and at this point in time, uh, it's a point of no return for a lot of these wrestlers. Like watching Aja Kong go away with knee surgery recently was very tough to watch. You watch uh, you watch Kandori and Kyoko Inoue still kind of doing their thing. Uh, and they have talent under them, uh, and there's nothing being done to truly help them and the next generation to rise up to be able to be a draw so they can then turn into something worth uh, uh, worth seeing for the wrestling industry. So when you got a company right. like Stardom that's really revolved on not having that reliance and seeing their rise, uh, yes, a major financial backer is uh, tremendously help. But when you look at Ice Ribbon, another promotion, there there is a an acceptable ceiling to things. Dragon Gate's a great example. Uh, that's another that's another example of an acceptable ceiling. A promotion knows what it is and it knows what it wants to be. So then, so then you judge it based on what's their what the promotion's clear goal is does that make sense Kay? it makes total sense it's it's uh and i know we're not gonna get too deep into it but it's like right now currently there's one company tokyo Joshua, that's trying to compete with stardom so when their numbers are lower it looks bad by example because they're trying to compete with something that's bigger than them when you get an ice ribbon that's booking the same venue if their number is at the same where tjpw's was 900 uh, we don't see that as a failure because we know that one, they're not trying to compete, and two, they're smaller. Their grasp is smaller, their reach is smaller. So them getting 900 people is actually a win for them, because it's not for TJPW because they're trying to compete with a bigger promotion. Seen as a failure, and I don't know if they see it as a failure, but they should. <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's very interesting to hear how people interpret different things uh, based on the same statistical data, uh, whether. Some are educated <laughs> more than others uh, is uh, obvious when you 
listen to people talk. Uh, I was having a conversation over the last few days over said things, and I was asked what my background was, and I'm like, look, I'm an engineer, and we're required to go to uh, various business uh, classes and training uh, growing up, or growing up, uh, in college and university. And there's a lot of different um, techniques, and it's different uh, from around the world and how cultural... Uh, cultural impact affects things, and that what that's what makes Japan super unique, uh, say to America, where you have major companies uh, or allegedly major companies like Ring of Honor and Impact, where uh, you could throw MLW in there for the sake of this, and just because they have a larger reach because they have TV, their attendances are lower than that of some of these indie shows. That, uh, like, give you an example, GCW, uh, Northeastern Wrestling, they're they're getting bigger houses than these companies that have national television of some kind. And it's interesting when you put it that way in Japan, when you have a company with a clear financial backer, and yet their houses aren't as big as some others you would expect. So that's some perspective there on kind of a, a business sense. Uh, what does that have to do with Oz Academy on One Night in Heaven, since we got a little uh, sidetracked there, is on this card we see a lot of young talent. We see a lot of old talent. and we More see- old talent. <laughs> <laughs> More old talent. And we see a talent go down with a major injury that affects... Uh, the promotions work over the last year. How does how does the promotion react to this? How does the promotion book to this? Uh, what is the prof- what, what is the professional attitude towards it all? You know what's done, and there's some certain signs of hope and despair throughout the card that you can kind of track and at least keep an eye on because over the next few shows we'll see how they react. And that's where a lot of uh, experience and interpretation, experience and context uh, really matters. Yeah, it's like you said with this show, it's got we got a lot of young talent and some of it, some of them do indeed, you know, go over. But in the minute they go over, it does nothing for them. Roll up victories. We'll get to that. Uh, Don't do anything when it's seen as a fluke win. Or as a good example of something that both you and I have recently watched, or at least seen the gif of, is Nanai versus Io Shirai, which we'll get to eventually on this journey, <laughs> where Io hits her big super finisher, pins her, and immediately Nanai pops up, like not even selling up for a single fraction of a second, and immediately pops up complains to the ref. Like not even selling that she had just been down for three. Not even acknowledging she was down for three. Bitching that she doesn't want she wasn't down for three. It's like that, all it does is make Io look like a geek. Cause, oh, she didn't actually beat her. Or, or, or it didn't make her look any good. It just makes Nanai look like she's grandstanding for no reason. It's like the whole Kogan thing. Remember when, um was it Macho Man won the belt? Kogan's kind of making it all about him. Ultimate Warrior. I did. Ultimate Warrior. I mean, might as well have been the same fucking thing, right? <laughs> He makes it all about him. He's gyrating. He's complaining to the ref, to the crowd. Then he's like, I'll hand the belt to him. It's making it all about him. Upstaging him. And, and we'll, we'll see more of that. Trust me. I know we'll see more of that on our journey. But it's just a, 
such a thing that I, it's like one of the things I hate about wrestling. I hate when that happens because it's like, then what was the point of even doing the job if you weren't going to go all the way through with it? You were just going to grandstand. What was the point of you even agreeing to lay down then? You got, you got to do business some do way, and then when it comes ring time, you just kind of uh, do what's uh, best for self-preservation. Uh, that's the idea behind it. I mean, you see it in any job that you're into. Uh, nowadays, it's, oh man, it's never it's, it's never my fault. I have to I have to find it, find a way to pin it on someone else. <laughs> I mean, I guess that kind of makes it so instead. But it's when it comes to like denier or denier, like Hulk Hogan, like what do you have to protect? You already made. Like you could just go somewhere else the next day, and you'll already get people to follow you. I mean, I guess denier is not Hulk Hogan. She's not that made. She wasn't even close. But it, it's just, it bothers me. I hate when wrestlers do that. It actually makes me hate the wrestler more than I and then anything else. It's kind of one of my issues with Takumi Roha, just randomly inviting us over the ring. It's like, stop making it about you. Nobody cares about you. Don't quite think mold. it's her decision per se, but uh, anyways. But it was it was how it was presented. It was her getting into the ring when it's all about Shuri. Well, that's, upstate well, that's bad. Yeah, anyways. Uh, if you want to listen to these episodes two weeks early, sign up for the Patreon. It's a $1.50 tier. We make it very affordable on purpose. Uh, because we want it, this to reach as many uh, ears as possible, and the small fee is just a simple way for uh, for us to uh, more or less gauge how much it's worth in getting the word out, and right. a tribute to the tape trading uh, that that's required for doing a lot of this, and then uh, two weeks later, it is on free over on Big Egg Joshi Podcast, which I'm sure you're listening to right now. Uh, consider subscribing. Maybe, we got a lot. Yeah, and then we got a lot more content uh, throughout there that we do for fun. LLPW, JD Star Reviews, five dollar tier. Uh, I got a huge project in the works uh, that's looking like it's going to start in twenty twenty two. It's going to be a very fun, fun, fun journey. Uh, that'll also be on the five dollar tier. So, a lot of good content. Okay, let's get started with the show. Let's do it. Uh, one night in heaven. April 10th, 2011, Oz Academy, from the face, Shinjuku face. <laughs> yeah, the home of Oz Academy. They're a big place that they go, they run to all the time. They, uh, they, they never, never leave. They never leave. <laughs> uh, the show didn't uh, broadcast until uh, basically a month later. That makes sense. It was good because they have a Garu TV deal. So much like Dragon Gate, their stuff doesn't broadcast yeah. right away. Yep, yep. Uh, my overall thoughts on the show was this was a good uh, card that was put together, uh, a very good semi-main event built off of multi-month storylines, or or at least a rivalry between uh, two tag teams within the promotion, uh, the Ozaki Kaoru uh, rivalry stemming from last year, in which Kaoru uh, won the title. Uh, it, it, the rivalry is really good. The build was a little wonky because of the whole Ron Yuyu match, which we covered a couple episodes ago. And the insertion of Aja Kong, at least in storyline from last year, makes sense because Aja Kong won the rights for Kaoru to get the title match because Ozaki and Sekigun uh, refused uh, to allow Kaoru the right to challenge. So in that sense, like a three-way makes all the sense in the world, and it's a... Uh, it's an elimination match, basically. Uh, first fall, you're out. Second fall, 
it's elimination between three people. Now, on the rest of the card is uh, there's a Buddy and Sekigun feud uh, on the undercard. There's a nice little opener featuring some young talent uh, with some uh, uh, crafty veterans, we'll we'll say. And then another fun... Yes, and then another fun tag match uh, where a very high talent that we've spoken about a lot on this podcast was involved and we'll get to that one because i got a big issue there Ooh, big issue big issue <laughs> but overall a very very fun show with a very unfortunate crazy uh finish in the main event what was your uh so, impressions and thoughts oh yeah uh, i i enjoyed most of the card uh, much like you, I thought the action in between the ropes was actually pretty good. Even for the the uh, Aji Kong Ozaki Kaoru match, even the post second match after, um, <laughs> I, I thought the action was fun and good. I could do a lot without police, but I hate him by principle. I would wish that he'd get his kneecaps broken because fuck him. Um, but uh, I think the only issue I had. Was, uh, I don't know if the match was an elimination match. It, they didn't present it like an elimination match. So at least I didn't pick up on something. I felt like that was just a three-way. Um, but the post-match stuff, and it's because language barrier, we don't speak Japanese, so we didn't know what was going on after the fact. There was a, there was a lot of confusion there, I thought. That kind of threw me off for a little bit there. Until I kind of pieced it all together. Uh, I like the opener. I think the opener is probably my favorite, but I'm also a mark for one of the people in the ring there. So, you know, <laughs> other people actually, I guess, technically. Well, let's get into it. The first match was a trios match. Carlos Amano and Manami Toyota and rookie now Komatsu taking on Hiran and Io and Mio Shirai it goes 15 and a half minutes. And it's a lot of Hiran in this match. Hiran's the tramp stamp queen, we call her. Uh, very low, very low, low, uh, low bottom leather pants <laughs> to show it all off. Love this woman. Yes, you gotta, you gotta get, the, get the full tramp stamp at this one too because she got rolled over by by Eo. <laughs> this uh, look, she is one of my favorite undercarders in Joshi in these uh, early 2010s. Here, she is perfect for this role. Exactly, I like her too. Uh, she's not the best wrestler, but she's not bad but she's also incredibly hot so i can't hate her she's saki before saki in stardom Ooh, she told me saki she get a get a tramp stamp i mean she has some tattoos <laughs> does she does but she doesn't have a tramp stamp though i mean she comes out doing yakuza poses and stuff so yeah i guess we're on we're, we're in the ballpark here <laughs> yeah, we're close enough i mean she could get a tramp stamp that probably i mean i'd be a fan immediately maybe saki's oh, playing cricket in the though. baseball stadium but you know <laughs> Uh, we get very little in the way of Io Shirai against really anyone. Uh, the way that it was structured, it's mostly Kamatsu is there for the heat. Hiran to take the brunt of the offense to make your veterans look strong. Toyota and Amano, that is. Uh, Io and Amano have a very small, fun exchange of a, a few moves. Io busts out a lion salt. She's, she's all trying to do just fun and cool shit. Uh, Io Shirai is really coming to her cool. own. Over the last year she, that we've been watching, she just, this. she just she's like got like flipping her entrance. She just kind of goes to the top rope and just flips off the top rope, just randomly for no reason. Yeah, she's she's she clearly has eyeballs on her, and Mio Shirai has a more outward personality to it all. In the sense that uh, she just knows how to work the crowd better. It's it's quite interesting the uh, contrast between the sisters. 
And then you have Carlos Amano and Manami Toyota. <laughs> Manami Toyota. Very interesting team. <laughs> headbutt style against uh, the woman who we saw faceplant moonsault on AJW Destiny all the time. <laughs> it's great. Those that the podcast. Headbutt style versus the one who ate the hardest part of the ring. Yeah, she headbutts herself. <laughs> she sure does. <laughs> But yeah, uh, Amano and Io have a good exchange. The match ends with a pretty cool combination here. It's uh, Manami Toyota has Mio Shirai in the JOC, and Amano comes off the top, Road Warrior style, but does a headbutt, of course, because <laughs> her whole offense is about slapping heads. And so it's JOC headbutt combo. Uh, they pin Mio. Toyota gets the pin. So here's a question. All right. I don't really have a problem with this move in the opener. However, would it have been the worst decision for, I don't know, now Komatsu to pin Hiren or Yoshirai to pin Amano or Komatsu? Maybe you want to protect your super veteran legend uh, more. I understand that. Uh, you got to keep up the mystique in some some form of fashion. They clearly have no uh, plan for Amano to be in the main event with the title anytime soon. Uh, not I don't right now. Gets in the main event ever again. I don't think she ever gets in the main event ever again. No. She doesn't want the belt ever I again, so. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think so either. So why not just, hey, two young sisters could be worth something. Maybe you see some money in them. Why not? Yeah, I Yeah, I ask this question all the time. We do know the answer why, but still ask the question and have some fun with, you know, why didn't they? Why not? <laughs> All right. Well, I think here, I think it was easily could have gone that way because you have now Komatsu, who's not protected. She's very much not protected in this company. So I, I don't also too don't see why she couldn't have just eaten. I thought that was what she was there for was to eat the pin, really. But she wasn't. Uh, and I thought if anyone's going to eat the pin on the other team, it would have been Hiren. It's Miho. <laughs> so it, a bit of an interesting thing there, I guess. Um, it, it is interesting, like you said, how much. Mio's time Mio spent in the ring and here in, but how little EO did. I don't know what that says. Maybe that's just Kana backstage trying to keep EO protected. Because EO is clearly between the two, EO is the star. I don't EO know. I'm having that's gonna be the star. I'm having some conspiracy thoughts that these people know she's good, and if she steals the spotlight from too many people that uh, it will lose the allure of your veterans that are on your roster more often. You're 100% right. That's why I keep saying that it, it's Kana's biggest contribution to the Joshi scene was protecting uh, Io and Mio, especially Io, because Io wouldn't have been allowed to be how good she was. They had to continue to bury her because she upstages everybody so effortlessly. Like She's a prodigy, and the old guard hates prodigies because they make them look bad. Yeah, so it, 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 yeah, it, it always exposes yeah. uh, more than just their age. Uh, uh, to that extent, it's a it's a thing to pay attention to. Right, Next match right. is Yumi Oka taking on Takako Inoue. Uh, Takako was formerly part of uh, Seki Goon in this time frame. Uh, now she's sporting this really nice black and white gear. It's very uh, <laughs> it's it's very Jumping yeah. Bomb Angel esque. Of the early 90s. You catch my drift? A little Tateno action. 
don't see it, but I think you're so much of a Tateno mark. You'll see Tateno in everything. Well, I mean, come on. Takako clearly liked Norio Tateno. I don't think it's very Tateno-esque at all. I think it matches the You have not been watching these LLPW shows that I have been watching for the Patreon. I watched one and Tateno was definitely not wearing this. She was wearing, she had a bowl cut, for God's sake. I didn't say the hairstyle matches, you fool. I said the gear. I mean, the gear that she was wearing wasn't this. She was wearing a onesie jumpsuit. Like no, 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 no. That, that was company. when she first debuted. I, either way, this is a, something Takako has already been wearing. I mean, hell, mm-hmm. she wears something very similar even modern day. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Fine. Don't, uh, don't play nice. Well, nah, so you, I will you... not play Kate here. <laughs> you know, your, 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 the Nora Tateno fetishization. Fetishization. Mean... This, is, this is, I will not. This is slanderous. <laughs> Nora Tateno is a beautiful woman and very talented. <laughs> Clearly not talented enough to be anywhere. Ugh. She's a legend of this industry, Kay. A typical Sekigun type match with interference from the crew, as I'll call them, in favor of Yumioka. Uh, Takako fends them off with Taser Chan, the best tag team sure partner. Does. It's fucking hilarious. There's like five people going after her in the ring, police and company. And Takako just has enough of this bullshit. She grabs the taser, ka 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 ka, and she slaps the taser in Police's nuts, right in his bullet's eyes. Uh, she gets uh, Blizzard Yuki and her whip out of the way. Uh, so, and then she just throws it down, and the ref's like, "Dude, <laughs> you just casually like, have you know what? <laughs> you just you casually what? have cool. the taser stick with you at all times." And it wasn't more than like like ten seconds after she puts the taser away, she just gets rolled up by Kaki Oka, the veteran roller killer <laughs> of the scene. Roller killer. <laughs> yeah, she rolls up the mighty Gamion wave, and now she rolls up the mighty Takako in a way that isn't so mighty. <laughs> I I guess not. I mean, you also are mis saying Gammy's name is the Almighty Gammy, you right. fool. Okay, stand corrected. However, this is. This is Yumioka's second straight victory over an industry veteran. Uh, what do you make of this? Uh, she's getting some kind of a small push clearly throughout the industry. I don't know how much that has to do with Gammy's influence, what influence she does have, I guess. Uh, but she's getting a small one. I don't know how long it goes. I do know modern day. She's not seen by the fans, at least to be on the same level, almost like she doesn't feel like she's earned her right to be on the same legend level as some of the people she stands head and shoulders with. So who knows? Uh, you think I just after do 15 years in the industry and uh, being at or near the top, uh, you would have a higher reputation than what she has now. Uh, Kaur Ito, I believe, is seen as more legend than her by the fan base. Oh, God, no. Because Kaur Ito was an AJW. That's probably one, one thing that helps her more. <laughs> but... Uh, so that's it's weird to gauge Yumioka's sort of where she's at because she has a bad rep modern day for kind of running wave into the ground by the fan base that liked wave at once upon a time. The most of that fan base isn't watching it anymore, but she's seen as the one that ran it into the ground. Uh, so it's kind of weird to gauge it, whether it's, it has more to do with that or more to do with the fact that she kind of has never really felt like to be on the same level as the, the, the people she stands next to. Mm. In the mid-card here, it's Akino and Ran Yu taking on Dynamite Kansai and Ayumi Kurihara, no longer carrying the Neo titles with her. She hasn't carried those in a while, it feels like. No, she had them on the last show, I believe. 
Ah, I don't remember that. That ugly yellow butt. I remember that. So I asked this question, and we had a very long conversation at the uh, during the closure episode of Neo, the very last one of 2010. Why wouldn't any of these companies take advantage of a young up-and-coming star who got the big rub <laughs> with the capital B, allegedly, from uh, Yoshiko Tamura? Why wouldn't any of these companies take advantage and book her stronger to be some sort of the next star? And there's two people uh, that you can kind of see are at a higher level, and that's Kurihara and Hiroyo Matsumoto. And Kurihara, I would say, is on a level above Matsumoto at this point in time. Kurihara, for, from my perspective, is the next star of the scene. Is this a outrageous statement so it's not outrageous uh when you take the context of the time she she's the biggest what if the biggest person you like if they only gave her more of a chance she probably would have been she might even be wrestling now as a bigger star still Maybe. right i mean who knows but to, to answer your question i think i've answered it kind of before but a lot of it was she's not signed anywhere and so you're not signed anywhere. So what? Don't want to take a really, nobody is. <laughs> That's the thing. Well, so that goes into like the second thing. I, I feel like I don't know if I mentioned either. It's politicking, right? I feel like a lot of Hario Matsumoto's career is helped by who she knows and who she's in front, who she's friends with. And I think a lot of the industry, especially early on, and this point especially, any anybody who's made in any level at this point in time, a lot of it was who you knew, who you were friends with, and who liked you and who didn't. Um, I don't know if anyone didn't like Kurahara, but she definitely didn't get the Horio Matsumoto treatment where she eventually got ascended up after years. But she's and Hiroyo's friends with Aj Kong, so that does help her a lot. Oh, I don't think Kurahara is friends see, with anybody else. You definitely see the culmination of something on this very show. Right. All right. So now that the question's been answered, we'll move on because the two matches uh kind of kind of gauge where they stand in because Oz Academy is, I th I always ask this every time, but it's kind of the top company in the Joshi scene at the time. JWP is right there, and then Wave is booking a lot of the young talent, except uh, the Mighty Gammy is <laughs> still on top. Oh, Mighty Gammy. Oh, Mighty Gammy. God, keep getting her name wrong. You'd think you'd know better by now. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I, so this match goes 19 minutes, 22 seconds. Uh, oh, Oka beat Inoue in uh, eight minutes, by the way. For what that's worth. Of course you did. Of course you did. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I swear Kansai is moving slower every month we watch. She definitely is. She has a lot of nagging injuries. Um, it's, it's catching so, up with her hard. So I went on a small reading deep dive at one point uh, earlier last week. Uh, I don't know if I ever mentioned it uh, or for, maybe I forgot to mention it throughout all the because I was going out and doing a lot of stuff a lot. So I must have forgotten to. But I did a, a bit of a read on Kansai just out of nowhere. Kind of something mm -hmm. I wanted to do. Uh, she had a nagging knee, hip and shoulder injury for God. I think she said like three years. That she never got looked at properly. In the 2010s? In the 2010s. Okay. So That absolutely matches what we how we see her walk and her, like, atrophated arm. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, so because I remember how I thought I had speculated that she might have uh, diabetes or something, right? But mm-hmm. since that's not a big thing that people are open about in Japan, well, at least not at this time. Uh, nowadays, it's a, given how the older population is, the majority, it's more widely talked about. Uh, but at this point, it's it's not, right? Uh, so she still might have had that, for all we know. But uh, the shoulder, she said, uh, she, she, like, she like dislocated it and put it back. She's never really got it fixed or looked at. Um, her like she had fluid in her knee that she had to constantly get drained, uh, and her hips had been bothering her for, uh, according to her, since like the nineties. But you yeah, know, well, don't, don't don't who needs to go to see a doctor about any of these things? You know, it's only it's only eleven years later after the nineties. <laughs> but anyways, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, it's Aja like Kong it's... has a similar problem too with her knees. Oh, bro, have been bothering her for decades now. Uh, Aja like, Kong was also the same thing. Yeah, Aja Kong walking upstairs is uh, it's rough to see. And Kansai, her entire right side is like an ep- it's like a game of operation, and someone keeps hitting the side of the wishbone over and over and over again on her, and she's pushing through. So regardless, it's a lot of Akino and Ran Yuyu in the ring with Kansai going fifty fifty, and by that I mean. It's 50-50 when it's two-on-one on Kansai. <laughs> when it's Kansai versus any of them singly, uh, she whoops their ass, because this is what Kansai does. She's what Ajakong is now in the company. I mean, hell, what Ajakong was at this point in the company. I think, and I mentioned this when we watched this, too, one of the things that I think kept uh, Oz Academy uh, less boring, it was on just not just because of the stories, but they weren't overlapped on one big monster. They had two. So they didn't have to solely be Ajakon tears everybody up at the end of the year and beats up Second Goon. It's well, Kansai could do it too. So then you had both of them doing it. It felt like there was more of a force, a, a more of a believable force against the Second Goon. Whereas nowadays it's pretty much just Ajakon. Well, and the Nobody talent pool else. was was clearly deeper here because you look at just this card and you got enough people to have a robust kind of tag division that you can cycle people in and out of teams. And all of those tag wrestlers that you've uh, delegated uh, to this role, they can come in for single title match defenses every once in a while while you still have your main eventers, your Kansai, your Ajakong, your Ozaki, your Kaoru at this point in time. I mean, there's your top four. That helped. That definitely helped. Uh, but I'm more speaking in like the stagnation of things. I feel like why this, how, how, how things have gotten to where they're so stagnant now, I think a lot of it could also be attributed to that they don't have enough of a... They don't have two big monsters that are seen as a, a threat to Sekigun. So Sekigun's always feel like they're kind of in check well, at any fault point. What is that? <laughs> Kansai retires, you elevate nobody, so you're right, I guess. Yeah. But... So the Akino Kurihara stuff was really good in this match. Kurihara has now added a code breaker to her arsenal, or she's hitting it more often, so we notice it more. It creates good, fast, devastating moves. She can hit out of nowhere in her matches. Uh, she's not just a suplex machine anymore. She's added uh, more to her arsenal. That's really cool to see. There is a excuse me. <coughs> there is a double foot stomp from Kansai in the in this match from the top rope on Akino, and it's just full body weight crushing. It's awesome. Oh, it's it, but it hurts. Holy it has to hurt. Hell no, thanks. It's not quite what we saw Kaoru Ito do, where she just full body weight and then she sits on him because she can't control how she falls. Kansai, she almost uh, she almost goes that route, 
She really does, but she ends up going forward as she's supposed to, so she's not quite at the Ito level yet. But fuck, I would not want... Backs, I would not agree to back. ever take this move. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, it's very different, because you see, Kaurito does that, and she puts Siriano out for a couple months. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, so, there was a really funny spot in this match where Kansai <laughs> gets Kurihara in Splash Mountain. We're like, oh, okay, what is she doing here? Well, she uses Kurihara as a human battering Splash Mountain ram uh, <laughs> on Akino, and... Uh, not too long after this spot, uh, ultimately, Akino and Yu quickly fight back in tandem. Uh, Akino hits a spinning sit-out powerbomb on Kurihara, pulls her up, doesn't go for the pin right away. Yu had already kind of gotten Kansai uh, off her wheels, so to say. Hits the flying, uh, the running flying neckbreaker, and Akino uh, shoots over for a pin. Uh, yes, Kurihara gets pinned in this match, which brings up the question. Just a couple shows ago, we saw all of Sekigun allow, I believe it was now Komatsu to beat Dynama Kansai. So that kind of goes into Dude. why wouldn't they just continue giving her like little small wins like that? She is a rookie. Why the hell not? What do you have to lose? Uh, maybe, perhaps, knowing Oz Academy's booking, I doubt it, but maybe this means Akino and Ran Yuyu are set for a tag title shot against the winners later on the show. Possible? Then, Blows. why not just pin Kansai? It's two-on-one. Kansai's bulletproof. She's still going to have her aura. She's still going to be a badass. Or, why not just go the extra mile? Why not have Kansai and Kurihara as tag uh tag contenders and kurihara gets a big win uh well, i think you answered your own question there well, of course uh, kansai already did the job for naokamatsu so why would she do the job again how dare you ask the mighty kansai to do well, then two have jobs? them win <laughs> well you see akino and renuyu don't do chops well renuyu does but akino sure doesn't yeah, you don't for... really see akino eat a lot of pins do you no, you don't, which is why I'm like, well, you're probably on something with that tag title thing, but you also might not be on anything at all because it's Oz Academy, so really, who the fuck knows? Yeah, for all we know, it could be like Hiran and Yumi Oka going for the tag titles in the next show. <laughs> just randomly, right? Yeah, just, just like, fucking okay. put them together. Yeah, that's an Oz Academy special. So yeah, Kurihara get, uh, eating the pin here makes no sense to trying to build anyone new in this company especially when all these people have been around for 10-plus years at this point. Yeah, doesn't really make sense, does it? <laughs> Hiroya Matsumoto and Tomoko Nakagawa taking on the tag champions Shikayo Nagashima and Sonoko Kato. Uh, this is uh, the big culmination uh, type tag title match based on their feud, uh, going back and forth through draws, title defenses, and the like. Uh, we get Air Hiroyo here. In this match, as she does a suicide dive, she's got good gear. Finally, she's looking like a decent bigger star. Gear. Decent gear. Yeah, I like it. It's fine. <laughs> that's, that's like a lot of her stuff. She has decent gear. Uh, this match really felt like it was Hiroyo's coming out party since uh, this tag team was made with her and Tomika. Hiroyo feels like she's really finding herself in the ring. She's finding a bigger personality. She's uh, utilizing her size and strength to really kind of feel like she's a force in the ring. Uh, the finish is super fast as Tomoka misses a running leap lariat. Nagashima does like a matrix duck back thing. 
Uh, she runs the ropes, and then Tomika quickly gets up, rolls her up with a schoolboy into a bridge on the legs. New tag champions in 17 minutes, 19 seconds, uh, while the Kansai match earlier went 19. Interesting that the times weren't flipped, but obviously we know who the bigger star is out of these eight people. <laughs> That's probably right. why. Uh, what would you think of this tag title match compared to kind of all those others that we've seen in Oz Academy in 2011? I like this. These these two teams paired against each other. I think each match we've watched of them has been very, very good. Uh, this one, no exception to that. I, I think, like you said, this felt like Hiroya Matsumoto's big coming out moment. She spent a lot of time in the ring. Also did a lot of the big moves in the ring, too. Uh, it seemed like a big showcase for her. Like I said, it's who you know. And she's friends with Aja Kong. From this back on, I'd imagine they probably, they probably started being friends, for all we know. So, you know, you see, Kurihara probably doesn't have very many friends, at least on that status backstage. <laughs> they all retired. So then, <laughs> correct. Probably they not wrong. all retired wrong, with Neo. <laughs> probably not wrong. And uh, I do believe she's on the outs with Kyoko Inoue at this point, but that's a rumor. Uh, but that could also do it, right? You're on the outs with a legend? Oh, okay. Well, I guess you're not going to go over anybody. Would make sense. Would uh, yeah. make sense where she's at. I mean, but also, why would she not be on the house with Kyoko? Eh? Kyoko didn't pay her as much as she didn't pay a lot of the other wrestlers. Fucking bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this match was a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed this rivalry. Uh, I'm not the biggest Tomoka Nakagawa uh, fan out there, Neither but, I. but I. I have really, really come around on Shikayo Nagashima. Uh, the more I watch of her, the more I like her. Uh, Kato. You like Kato? Eh, Kato's a f- <laughs> Kato's like a nice little mid mid Carter. Oh, she's she's the Minami of the group. She is you. she is very she is very mid. Uh, she's extremely <laughs> limited in her arsenal. Uh, every match she does kind of looks the same. Uh, in the tag scene, she, a lot of that's hidden because it's switching in and out between a partner. You can do more tag t- tag moves. Uh, but yeah, this this match felt like it was all about Arroyo, and she got to me the biggest shine. And as you said, it's probably who you know. It's not it's not what you know. It's who you know. It's that kind of situation. Exactly, especially this point in the scene. It's literally who you know. Yeah, and it helps you get a long way. So good we for Arroyo. Good for Arroyo. Unfortunate for Ayumi Kurihara. Main evento: Oz Academy Openweight Title Three Way Street Fight Elimination. Kaoru, the Oz Academy champion, taking on Aja Kong and Mayumi Ozaki with all of Seki Goon in tow. First fall goes to a no contest in 11 minutes, and the second fall goes another 11 minutes for a new champion. This is the match where Kaoru breaks her foot, basically, uh, very early on. What would you say? What would you say? Within four minutes this spot happens god probably less than that. maybe like three because it was like a big brawl in the beginning and they went to the outside uh and sort of ozaki sitting uh on the red on the rope on the opposite end of where uh uh kaoru and kong are and she's just kind of chilling so you get the feel that she wasn't supposed to be involved until later on at mm-hmm. least to some extent and so kaoru gets the table puts aja on the table this almost happens like very early in the match because they didn't do a whole lot outside of her going to get weapons after she threw Kong out to the outside. She got the board and the um her board and the table. Yep. And she puts Kong on the table, goes to the ropes, kind of gestures to the crowd, 
It's up to the top rope and looks like she's going to go for the double foot stop, which would have been dumb altogether onto Kong onto the table, but instead is short, either short or is in the midway trying to go for a leg drop and is also short on that. And it just eats it. And it is so painful. You could tell it almost immediately. We, we knew this was the spot. And so she's kind of laying there and people running to her immediately. Uh, I just kind of having to try to sell like, Oh, what the fuck was that? Kind of cause the table kind of falls over cause she pushes it over with her momentum. So I just has to get up and kind of toss the table on her and hits her once with a chair and kind of gets into the ring. And then Ozaki gets involved. Get the feeling maybe that spot where, you know, Oz- Kong comes in and Ozaki beats her up. That it was supposed to be for Ita or for Kaoru. Uh, but it just, and she's just laying there and she tries, she tries to get back up into the ring and she can't put her, her own weight on her leg. Uh, she can't even get into the ring because she needs both legs to get into the ring, right? Kind of slide into the ring. She can't, everyone's trying to, trying to wave her off a little bit. The people trying to help her out. And she just kind of just sits there offside, off to the side. And we don't see her until the end. Yeah. So back to the spot there. Kaoru doesn't slip on the top. It's a top rope to the floor, double foot stomp onto a table. That is the goal. And she simply just doesn't leap enough. That's all that happened. And it's in midair. You can kind of share her leg. Well, yeah. Well, like a drug drop almost. It's no, she still wants to hit the hit the foot stomp because that's the spot. So it's on instinct. She just gets the foot closest to her to at least hit Aja Kong, but this causes her right leg to to just hit the ground first and go under the table, and it's just an immediate kind of crack reaction, and she's holding her foot uh, really bad, and there's uh, Yumioka and Takako Inoue immediately to her side. The ref kind of checks on her, but not really, and Aja Kong gets, gets in the ring, and her and Ozaki just have a match. All while we're kind of looking at what's going on here, and Takako sticks by Kaoru's side throughout all this, and she's just got this really worried look on her face. But the thing is, no one's doing anything. No one's helping her. She's not out. leaving to the back. She's yeah. not leaving to the back. No one really knows what to do. It's just Ozaki and Kong having a match, and then everyone else is spectating. And after a barbed wire back gets involved. Uh, there's some table spots. Uh, Kong just hits the elbow drop and pins Ozaki clean. And the bell rings. And then the ref just has to go, oh, shit. That's the last finish. That wasn't supposed to happen. Or was it? Who the hell knows? So then, like, the crowd goes, okay, cool. Aja Kong, like, eliminated Ozaki. And Kaoru, like, can't continue. So Aja Kong's champion, right? All right. Sucks that there was an injury, but the match is over. Well, the ref goes to the table uh, off to the, the upper left where in where in Shinjuku face. And the over ref the just... Mic. Yeah, over the house mic. And the ref just announces, oh, it's a no contest on Kaoru. Now it's going to be Aja Kong versus Ozaki in a singles match. And, of course, Seki Goon just... It's it's essentially the same match over and again now with a barbed wire table, and this is kind of where you think the, uh, the the rest of the match was supposed to be because it was kind of business as usual. Police involved, Aja Kong fighting everyone off single handedly. Uh, some members of Jungle Jack Twenty One get involved to kind of even the odds, and uh, Kong just makes Ozaki a bloody mess throughout this with barbed wire 
and the like. And if there's one thing Ozaki has always been good at, it is bleeding like a stuffed pig. <laughs> That's been her one big trait. So I'm not so convinced this was supposed to go like this. I feel like the final two people what would have made sense would have been Kaoru and Ozaki. I think they would have found a way. I think there was supposed to be a way that they were going to get Aja out of the match uh, through some means. And I think it was going to be down to those two. But because I feel like it's very tough to the tell. Match be- I think like the match being the way it was was very much them just kind of calling a fly or maybe just doing the spots that we're going to do in the match before Kong gets eliminated and just reversing the finish. So very much. Yeah, maybe. We don't know how long this match was supposed to go. But, um, there was a spot, like I mentioned, where Kaoru does try to get up and get back into the ring. Uh, and I think that has, is more to do with uh, got to finish the show, right? Got to go on with the show. Show goes on sort of thing. Uh, but when Kaoru kind of goes to the back, after the fall of Kong, they call her out. If you remember, they they kind of call her. They both kind of Ozaki and and Aja kind of yell at her uh, as she goes to the back. She kind of just sits there uh, with her with a uh, uh, Takako and Oka on each shoulder. Yeah, so, it's very it's very uh, speculating uh, what happened backstage, but uh, what did happen that <laughs> is is factual is. She broke her foot, uh, basically her heel, not really her Achilles tendon or anything. It's uh, the heel of her foot, and that's at least an eight-month injury. And the fact she didn't return to wrestling for just over two years until Marvelous and Shigusa Nagayo kind of come around, or at least Shigusa Nagayo's uh, project she's got in mind, that's when she returns to wrestling. And uh, outside of like a battle royal... Uh, Kaoru had never stepped foot in Oz Academy again uh, and was never in the same ring with Aja Kong again for all intents and purposes. Uh, was, it the same, was it the same with Ozaki as well? Yeah. Did you ever, okay, so there's... And this this kind of goes into like a, a bit of a speculative thing, right? Between this. There, there was a fan rumor back, uh, back in the day, back in the 90s, uh, late 90s, 98, 99, um, between Japanese fans uh, within like fan magazines that they would make um, that it's felt like uh, Zaki and Chikusa didn't get along. Right. It just felt like there was always this animosity or some kind of tension some reason, between the for two. some reason I could see that. <laughs> right. Cause like two alphas that feel like no one could tell them what to do, <laughs> especially Chikusa at that point when she's got the fucking bl- short blonde hair, the tattoos and fucking coming out to biker music and shit. Of course, she's not going like, to do what the fuck anyone tells her to do. She's Chikusa the guy, motherfucker, her promotion. Um, but <laughs> there was, there was a lot of speculative speculation that those two just didn't get along. And to my knowledge, I think since the closure of Gaia, I don't think Ozaki and Chikusa have spent their time in the ring or have they've been on maybe the same show. Or maybe whenever they spent time in the ring, it's always been for some kind of weird, like, assemble sort of deal or some kind of weird anniversary thing. Like, it's never been... Ozaki's never been booked on a Marvelous show. They don't book her, I don't believe, ever. Uh, Aja, I'm not so sure about. I feel like I want to say I remember her coming to Marvelous at one point, but just not being in the same ring as Kaoru. Uh, but you can you can kind of put the dots together and realize that there was maybe something there. Uh, I, my feeling is, given how they were kind of shouting at her uh, as she was coming to the back, uh, there was probably a shouting match backstage for all we fucking know about her not finishing the match. I could totally see that match at some point. Yeah, it's very old school mentality, so you can totally buy it right at the time. 
now that mentality still kind of exists even now uh, in some promotions. You're hurt. Uh, no, finish the match. I mean, it's good that we see certain companies don't do that. Like, Sardom immediately waves off Nas Katora. No, 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 you're not continuing. You're hurt. But the show doesn't... You don't need to, to continue wrestling because it's bad. Right? Not only are you hurt, right. but it puts on a bad product and we can't go 100%. So we don't want to... We set the fans home unhappy, but we set them home even more unhappy and uh, disgusted for seeing you wrestle injured. So we're not going to do this, right? Uh, we see uh, Ice Ribbon, too. Ice Ribbon's been doing that for years. Well before most of the scene, actually. Injury? No. Match is over. It doesn't matter if it's the main event. It's over. We're not going to have you wrestle injured. Uh, so you see certain companies change that mentality. But then you go to a Diana and you see Saray get a concussion. A very clear concussion. No, 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 bitch. You'll continue to wrestle. Yeah. Uh, oh. You got to change You got to change the culture. And it, it's not something that happens overnight. Uh, there's a lot in the wrestling industry <laughs> that's uh, outed even from 20 years ago that it's not acceptable. Uh, and the fact that it was normalcy still even as recent as everything is, uh, that's the problem. So it's all about changing the culture. Our yeah, next yeah. our next show is April 17th, 2011, the Diana debut show at Corken Hall. Funny they'll be covering that because they just had their 10th anniversary. Hey, how timely. All right, everybody, look forward to that. Don't forget to sign up to the Patreon if you've enjoyed the content. Help us out here. Support the tape trading. Uh, support the content. I hope you guys enjoy. At least uh, head on over Redleaf Retrocast proper on iTunes or Big Egg Joshi podcast. Leave some reviews. Get us out there. Uh, head on to Twitter at BullingJD, your blue underscore Kano. Hit us up on there at all times. It doesn't matter. We are happy to ask any question, answer any questions. <laughs> don't don't be uh, don't be <laughs> afraid. Oh, if I post a lot in German, <laughs> just the way just the way I interact these days. <laughs> uh, even if I don't post a lot, uh, I'm still I will check my DMs if I get them. So don't feel free feel free to DM me if you have any questions as well. Not super active on Twitter all the time. Uh, I do retweet a lot of wrestler stuff, especially Momo stuff. Um, but uh, DM me if, uh, even if I'm not uh, posting regularly. Right, right. If you have any questions. And that does it. We'll see you next time. See ya.